Blog Talk Radio. Speaks, where we talk to people who broke free of the corporate growth shackles to start their own business. I'm your host, Neil Thompson, official corporate shackle breaker. You can find this podcast on my website, neilthompsonspeaks.com. You can also find it on iTunes or Stitcher. Please subscribe and share. Jeff Fleming is an attorney and a law school professor, but he's so much more than that. He's the founder of Fleming's Fundamentals of Law. For over 35 years, Fleming's has provided legal exam writing workshops, substantive law reviews, bar reviews, tutorial services, and exam strategies and methods to law students attending every law school in the country. Basically, if you're a law student who needs an extra boost to pass the exams to become a lawyer, Fleming's has got you covered. I look forward to speaking with Jeff about his motivation to start Fleming's, his strategies for getting customers, and his biggest regret as a business owner. Let's get to him right now. Hi, Jeff. Welcome Good to afternoon, Neil. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. First question. Well, I mentioned in the intro that you're an attorney. What motivated you to become an attorney, and what type of law do you practice? When I was in college uh, many years ago, back in uh, 1975 through 77, I interned at the public defender's office uh, over a uh, semester for uh, credit, and that uh, really exposed me to what I call the criminal defense side of criminal law. And so that motivated me to go to law school and I uh, went to Western State in Fullerton back between uh, the years 78 through 81 and then went into full-time criminal defense practice. So uh, when I'm not uh, an ed- acting as an educator, I still do a little criminal defense. And it motivated me because I want to make sure that the uh, prosecution of the state proves their case and also a lot of people who need uh, defense work, um, especially people who are underprivileged. So that's the reason why I, I chose that profession. Oh, well, that's really noble of you. Well, I also mentioned in the intro that you are a, a law school professor. So when did that come about? Well, I was uh, when I was in my second year of law school, which would have been about 1979, uh, I started tutoring students because uh, my grades were relatively decent. Uh, and I started really understanding the importance of teaching other students how to achieve success on their exams. When I got into my last year of law school, I was hired out of law school by a gentleman in the business named Brian Siegel, who was in the bar prep business back in the uh, late, uh, early 80s, I should say. Uh, and as a result, I worked for him for about a year and taught law students how to prepare for their written examinations and also uh, for purposes of preparing for the bar examination. At that point, then I opened up my own business in 1984, uh, teaching students how to prepare for the bar exam, the baby bar exam, those type of uh, situations. And then also I've taught law school for three different law schools, Western State. I taught uh, contracts for a couple of years back in uh, 82 through 84, I taught the University of West Los Angeles, which is in uh, Culver City and also in the Valley, from uh, 1984 through 1998. 
and I teach for Northwestern Online Law School out of Sacramento. Uh, I've been with them since 2011 through 2017. And then I also teach uh, year-round both for the law school exams, the bar examination, and the junior baby bar exam in California. Wow, that's that's a lot of teaching, Jeff. (laughs) A lot of teaching, there's no doubt about that. Absolutely. So you'd mentioned that for one year you worked for a a bar prep company run by Brian Siegel, but I guess after that year you decided to go into business for yourself. A a big issue that I think a lot of people have when they're deciding to go into business for themselves is getting past the fear of leaving a job and and going, you know, becoming a a solopreneur, I suppose. Did you have any of those type of fears of going into business for yourself? And if you did, how did you get past those fears? Well, I'll be honest with you. When I when I was in law school, I had no money. When I got out of law school, I had no money. So there really there really was no fear factor there. Uh, I want I knew that I wanted to uh, you know make education part of my uh, profession, but I wanted also to be able to practice law. So I used the you know, the practice of law for the when I practiced for five years, kind of as the foundation financial foundation to go out on my own. So. I was doing that, and then uh, what I also did, I worked for Ford Aerospace for a couple of years, or my first couple of years, in their uh, military uh, parts, uh, acquiring parts for military tanks, things like that. And then I did Moonlighted on the side doing my business. So by the time I launched my business uh, in 84, two years after I graduated from law school and passed the bar, I had a little bit of a foundation, but uh, it's always a risk. But I can tell you honestly, having done this 35 years, uh, it's the best thing I ever did because uh, you know it's nice to be your own boss. My wife is an attorney; she's a partner in my in in our business, uh, and uh, you know we've been doing this 35 years. But it's nice to have a little bit of uh, independence and autonomy. So I, I'm glad I made the decision. Yeah, absolutely. Something I know that at least now in in terms of of law schools, there's so many law schools and there's so many people going to law schools and. Essentially, a lot of people are graduating from law schools are not able to find jobs with firms. I, I think, at least in, in previous years, that was kind of the, the, the path. You, you graduate from law school and you get a job at a firm making, you know, six figures and, you know, you work as an associate first and try to work your way to partner. But at least now in this day and age, it's so much more difficult to do that with this glut of, of law school graduates that are coming out of school. Did you, was that, well, Am I right in, in saying that that maybe wasn't that big of a well, – that wasn't the case back when you graduated from law school, you know, graduated from right. law yeah, school you, and then going to get a job as a partner? Definitely, Neil, because back in the old days, you know, uh, 80, the 80s, uh, you come out of law school, you immediately go to work for a law firm. <clears throat> However, excuse me, <clears throat> you wouldn't get six figures unless you came out of – a top-tier law school, maybe USC, UCLA, uh, you know, down south, or maybe north, maybe Stanford, one of those schools. But uh, there were jobs were plentiful back in those days. Uh, today, it's not the same situation because in California, we have over 300,000 lawyers uh, in California. Um, and when I got out of law school and passed the bar, I was the 101,000 lawyers. So there was 100,000 lawyers, and I was like the, you know, within that next 101,000. Now there's over 300,000 lawyers just in that period of time uh, in California. In fact, California and New York probably have more lawyers than any uh, country in the world. Um, and the, the problem is there are no jobs unless you, if you're coming out of a top law school, 
you know, again, uh, UCLA, USC, uh, down here, or Stanford, or, you know, Bolt Hall, Kings Hall, Davis, top law schools, tier ones, then you can clearly get a job. Uh, they're going to work you to death, though. You know, they, may work in, they may pay you 150000 but you'll be working 65 hours a week and weekends. Uh, but for the smaller schools, and those students have to really create their own, their own jobs, and you have to be willing, you know, to maybe bite the bullet, uh, and come out, you know, maybe making sixty-five, seventy-five thousand a year, uh, with the idea you're going to have to work hard, to, you know, to build your your practice up and or work for a firm. Um, but also keep in mind there's great loans involved. So if uh, the average debt now for an ABA student coming out of uh, ABA school is one hundred ninety thousand dollars, so if you have a debt of one hundred ninety thousand dollars and you're making seventy-five thousand a year. Uh, it's it's a tough nut to crack. So that's kind of where the where the profession is uh, as of today. Wow. So you mentioned one hundred ninety thousand dollars debt coming out of school, and if you're only making seventy five k a year coming out, you still would you still at, advise people to to go to to law school? Well, I think you have to decide. You got to follow your dreams. You know, one thing about the law is you can take your law degree and use it in in in, in a variety of profession. So if you're already, a, you know, you're, you're older, you know, like, for example, students go to night school, they may be doctors, they may be, you know, businessmen, CEOs. So having a law degree is only going to enhance your, your financial status in, in your field. Uh, if you're new and you're 23, 24 years old, you got nothing to lose. Uh, it's just you have to understand. And again, the, the, the law is cyclical. So it doesn't mean that in five, 10 years that there may be more jobs. I know the job market has opened up the last two or three years much better than it was four or five years ago. But uh, again, it's not like TB. It's not a get rich scheme. And, uh, you know, it's not, uh, you know, you come out of law school and you you uh, get $180,000 a year, and, you, you know, it is not that way anymore. It's a very hard uh, profession. you got to work hard. you got to put a lot of hours. But you have to be dedicated, and you have to kind of decide if this is something that you want to do. And then if you do, you follow your dream, and you make your own dream. That's the way I look at it. When I was coming out of law school, I didn't have anything, but I had a dream, and I worked hard and achieved it. And, that, you know, it's the American that's the American spirit. So that's why I never t- tell people not to do it. I just always open their eyes as to what they're facing so they don't think it's, you know, uh, like TV. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm sure you possibly know of this, but I think a few years ago, didn't some law graduates sue their school for essentially saying that they, they thought that their job prospects were, they sold them on the fact that their job prospects were going to be a lot better than they turned out to be? I think uh, that yeah, there was, were uh, numerous years. lawsuits around the country for, uh, in terms of suing law schools, inflating their uh, their um, job placements. And so, but I don't think many have been successful. I know there was one here in San Diego uh, against Thomas Jefferson School of Law, and the school won in that case. The plaintiff lost that case. So I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't have a lot of uh, personal information on that. But there were lawsuits brought about against certain uh, law schools for supposedly inflating their their job placements. But uh, I'm not really privy to that, other than a couple that I mentioned. Yeah, yeah, that, 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 that's what, that's basically all I know about that too. So tell me a bit about your your actual business, Fleming Fundamentals of Law. What exactly do you provide your clients or customers? Well, when we started in the business, again going back to 1984, the first thing the first thing I created was what I call the Legal Exam Writing Workshop, which is a two day workshop offered uh, online or through uh, CD or live. In fact, I just finished a workshop this weekend in Orange County, where I, I 
deal with students coming into law school within their first year, first year and a half, teaching them how the skills of being successful as a law student, things that really aren't taught too much in the law school setting. So we spent a lot of time teaching them how to outline an exam and how to write an examination, how you write like a lawyer, all these things you hear about. The basics, we call that the fundamental course. And then following that, I have what I call exam solutions, which I just created 35 years ago. I sell these uh, MP3 and, and CD around the country, and these are four-hour, five-hour lectures. In each particular topic that you have in law school, there are 15 subjects in law school that you ultimately have to learn, and then I teach to the topic, so how the exams are tested for final examinations. It's really designed to prepare students for their finals, uh, so they're prepared to go in their final exam and, and, and achieve very good scores. Uh, and then from that particular program, I developed the first-year baby bar examination for California. If you go to unaccredited law school, then you have to pass a, a, skill, a state administered test. I've been teaching that uh, for since 1984, and that's the, to prepare for a one-day full test uh, in torts, contracts, and criminal law. And then from there, we went into the bar review. And so since 1984, I've been teaching the entire bar prep for California. California and New York are the toughest states in the country uh, for bar pass rates because, again, we have the most lawyers. Um, and so I teach 15 subjects for the California bar examination. And I've been teaching bar prep for about 34 years. And I have six professors that work for me, uh, Professor Brower, who went to Stanford and Yale, uh, Professor Coppell, Harvard, uh, Harvard graduate, Professor Merkel, University of Chicago. So I have good professors working for me, and then we have all different kinds of bar prep programs. We have online program, we have live programs, we have short-term live programs, we have long-term live programs, we have a boutique uh, ultimate bar prep program we run here in Orange County with our money-back guarantee. So we have all different kinds of bar prep programs because we, I found over the years that there's a lot of different kinds of students. Uh, everybody learns differently. Um, and so that's how we develop these programs. So really, we're, we're from the ground up. We start you with the first-year law school. We get you through your final examinations. We prepare you for the first-year law exam, the baby bar, if you need to take that. We prepare you for the bar examination. Only thing we do not do, we don't give you, you know, have seminars, how to become a lawyer. We just get you through the bar, and then there are other competitors out there that then have classes and seminars and workshops and how to prepare, you know, as an attorney. Okay. Because they, the bar exams are different from state to state, does that mean your bar reviews are, are tailored to those particular states? Well, there are certain similarities. The one similarity uh, with all the uh, states in the country, I think other than two states, they all have to pass the multiple choice exam. The multiple choice exam is a, 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 a standardized test. It's 200 questions. It's, you know, it's A, B, C, D. You have to pick out the right answer. It's based on Blackwater Law, reading comprehension. It covers eight subjects. Uh, torts and contracts and criminal law, criminal procedure and constitutional law, uh, evidence uh, and civil procedure. So torts, contracts, property, criminal law, crim pro, con law, crim pro, evidence and civil procedure. And these subjects uh, are uh, in-depth. They're, they're very difficult, uh, little minute areas of the law. There's 200 questions, and that's administered throughout the country. That's a standardized test. And there's two states in the country that do not require the test. However, every other state is different. There's 37 states or 27 states that use what they call the uniform bar exam, and that is uniform. California does not follow that. As a matter of fact, we have our own bar exam. Um, and so if you, if for me, if you're going to take Fleming Fundamentals of Law, you want to really be taking sitting for the California bar. We get a lot of students from New York, for example, who decide that they want to practice law in California. And so one of my, my uh, bar prep programs in New York, uh, Peeper Piper, they, they send me business, and sometimes California people want to go to New York and take the New York bar. Uh, but 
in that particular case, it's, in, it's a little uh, more ex exclusive. In the California, for example, uh, we teach <clears throat> uh, what's tested uh, would be something along, along the lines of federal rules of evidence, but California also tests the California rules of evidence. Uh, we also, in California, we, we teach uh, California wills, the California probate code, which is different from other states. We teach, the, we teach community property law, and there's only like a 9 to 11 states in the country that follow community property law, and we have the family law code that we follow in California. We teach both federal civil procedure, and then they test not only federal civil procedure, but California civil procedure. So New York does the same thing. New York has a, they'll test the federal rules and then the New York civil procedure. Really, it's required because if you practice in California, then you really need to know the California rules of civil procedure. If you're a civil lawyer, you need to know the California rules of evidence. If you're going to be a trial lawyer, uh, you need to know, uh, you know, probate code for wills, a family law code for community property. So every state is different, but the only uniform aspect would be the multiple choice because that's consistent across the country. Same, same questions, same um, subject. So that's probably the only portion that's consistent. I see. So if someone wanted to, to engage, you know, Fleming's fundamentals of law and they come from another state, not New York, not California, really, it's the the multi-state uh, that multiple choice exam is is really what they're at, what they're looking for as opposed to you know the the other the other part of the of the bar exam from for their particular state. Right. Yeah. We we do get people who just want to purchase the multiple choice portion of our class. Um, we also have uh, there's a they're just changing the California bar. The California bar has been the same for 35 years, but the February bar exam finished last week. The beginning in July. 2017, our California bar exam is going to change dramatically. We're going from a three-day bar exam to a two-day bar exam beginning July 17. And the difference is, is all the way up to the last 35 years, the written portion of our bar exam was worth 65%. The multiple choice worth 35%. Now, beginning in July, it's 50% multiple choice, 50% written. And the other difference is California has always used what they call the three-hour performance examination, which is a practicum. Uh, they give two three-hour exams, writing memorandums, closing arguments, summary judgment motions under time pressure. But the new bar exam is eliminating the two three-hour performances, and they're going to a 190-minute performance exam, which is going to be a much shorter version of the older version. The older versions would run about 40 pages, and you'd have about three hours to read the 40 pages and uh, perform a task for the examiners. Uh, but the new uh, <clears throat> performance exam is only going to be about 15 to 17 pages, and you only have 90 minutes. So they're going. The reason they're going to a two-day bar is to save money. The bar uh, estimates that they're going to save one million dollars in fees by uh, dropping from a three-day bar to a two-day bar. And most states in the country now uh, go to a two-day bar. When I was taking the bar exam back in the early 80s, it was two and a half days. And then they moved it up to three days. And then after all these years, starting in July 17, they're going to a two-day bar examination. Wow. Okay. Well, okay. That's, 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 that's good to know. Uh, one question I have also, just in, in terms of, of law school, you mentioned you went to Western State. And from what from what I know, that's a, a brick-and-mortar school. But you said you're also a, a law professor at Northwestern California University. You said it's an online program. What are the, the benefits or the I guess the pros and cons of, of doing a, a brick and mortar school as opposed to an online school? Well, there I mean there's major differences. I taught uh 
for Western State uh, from 84 uh, through eight, uh, 82 through 84. I taught University West LA from 84 through 98. So I put in many years at a brick and mortar. Uh, the brick and mortar schools, of course, there's more requirements and you know attendance and all those type of things, more discipline. Um, we all teach the same thing, and we all have to learn the same subjects no matter where you go to school. If you go to UCLA or you go to a state accredited school or an online school, an accredited law school, it doesn't make any difference. We all learn the same material. The difference is, of course, that the, the average demographics of an ABA student might be a lot younger. Okay, They might be in their mid-20s, maybe early 30s. Your online schools, most of the students are professionals. Um, and they have a full-time job, and so they are essentially, you know, doing night-type studying online. Um, so the amount of time that you can spend uh, put into the program is a lot different if you're a full-time student versus an online student. The difference, of course, is also that if you're an online student, you have to pass the baby bar exam, the first-year bar exam, to continue. So there's kind of a, an attrition rate, more of an attrition rate in the online law schools. The price is not even close to the same. The typical ABA price here in California for an ABA school is about $50,000 a year, uh, not including living expenses, um, where an online law school like uh, Northwestern and, and some of the other online law schools can vary anywhere between you know $4,000 a year up to about, I believe, 12, 13,000. Concord is about 12, 13,000 a year. So um, they're a lot cheaper. Uh, the, the, now the, the uh, downside is you have to be very disciplined because you're doing everything online, you know, you're, you're doing all your requirements at home, and when you're in a classroom and you have a professor who's, you know, uh, on top of you, the reality is there's more discipline in a, in a brick and mortar than there is online. You have to be very motivated to, to take an online program and you have to be very dedicated to the work. So it's a lot cheaper. There's a lot of advantages in terms of flexibility because you're not going back and forth through brick and mortar. It allows you to, you know, to handle your profession during the day and, and you know, and, and study at night. But the, the negative is, you, you, again, a lot requires a lot more discipline, uh, a lot more focus and dedication. Absolutely. Another issue that I think a lot of people who want to start their own businesses run against is finding clients. When you work for a company, typically you're not in charge, unless you're in sales, I suppose, you're not in charge with actually going out and, and finding the work. But when you work for yourself, well, if you, that's pretty much, I'm sure, a lot of your time is spent finining clients. With your business, exactly. Yeah, that's the hard. Of law, well, you have to, again, when you get in your own business, you're not going to be working 40 hours a week. You know, you're working 50, 60, 65, 70 hours a week. So when I got in the business, what I had to do was travel all around California and give free lectures. So I started up in San Francisco, and I you know, gave free lectures at Golden Gate, and free lectures at the Santa Clara School of Law and McGeorge School of Law, and, and really did the circuit, so to speak, went around, gave free lectures, usually had, back in those days, we could entice them with a little pizza, and the students would come in at <laughs> lunchtime, and I would sell myself, <clears throat> and then, uh, then I would come to Southern California and hit all the schools down here as well, uh, Loyola, Southwestern, you know, Whittier, all the schools, Thomas Jefferson, University of San Diego, where you just basically put yourself out there and spend a lot of money trying to, to, to uh, you know, create a business. And then we have a good reputation because we work hard, and so you have to give something back in order to get the students. So I've been doing that for 35 years, and I just came off the circuit here about three weeks ago where I gave a free lecture, you know, one day at one school in San Diego, then the next day another free lecture at another school. Then I went out to Los Angeles, gave a free lecture there. Uh, you have to do that because every year you get a new crop of students, and they don't know – you know, Fleming's fundamentals from any other competitor. So unless you're willing to go out and, you know, feed the students, give them a one-hour free lecture, give them some freebies, 
uh, and expose yourself in terms of branding yourself, you really can't make it in this business. It requires a lot of dedication. That's part of any business that even if you're a lawyer and you're starting in your own practice, you really need to join, you know, social clubs. You need to be a member of the Kiwanis or, you know, be a member of the Toastmasters or, you know, join a church. Or You have to do what's necessary to expose yourself to people so they know who you are. You just can't. The days of just hanging a shingle, you know, putting your name out there, turning at law, uh, is not going to work anymore. Unless you work for a top law firm, uh, you, if you're going to open your up your own firm, open your own business for that matter, you have to be willing to give a lot, give free seminars, you know, give free workshops, uh, and they do this to this day. You'll see on the newspaper, you know, see, a, a, for example, living trust seminars or probate seminars where these lawyers will, you know, offer free lunch at, uh, you know, at a cafe and they'll bring people in and they'll sell their goods and then they'll give lunch and things like that. And everybody does that. That's part of the business. You have to give something to get something back. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing I just thought of, so you, you mentioned obviously that you, you you went to Western State, you taught there for a while, and then you also you teach at, at an online school. The, oh, gee, what was my question? It just it just slipped me. I'm, I'm going to remember it. I'm sure I'm going to remember it now. Yes. So okay, no problem. You said, yes, yeah, so you mentioned that the, the big difference in cost between a brick-and-mortar school and an online school even the brick and mortar schools, we're paying a whole lot of money. Those students come to you for help for for passing their exams. You'd think, you know, paying all that money that they they wouldn't need to. Well, the thing is, it depends what law school you go to. Okay, if you're if you go to a top tier law school like UCLA or USC, they're probably not going to need my classes. Uh, these students tend to be very young, you know, mid twenties. They work. They don't work. They're most of them. They're full time students. They score very well on uh, aptitude tests. In other words, to get in one of those schools, you have to do very well on the LSAT. So you, you normally do pretty well on, on these standardized tests. The people that work with myself and my competitors are normally people who are, maybe don't go to a top online law school or a top law school. They might go to a second-tier law school or third-tier law school, uh, ABA. They, uh, their skills are not as uh, proficient. Uh, California is a little unique because we have ABA schools, we have uh, state accredited schools, we have online law schools, we have uh, correspondence schools. You can even have what they call law office management where you can work with a lawyer and not even go to school as long as you do the work and monitor by the state bar, pass the first year law examination, you can do it that way. So the reason why uh, you, you, know, you have all different kinds of schools and you have all different kinds of students, and that's really so that's those type of students who need more help are the ones who seek out uh, myself and, and and my competitors to, to get them through law school and assist them in their in their studies. Wow, it just it would just seem to me that if you're going to pay all that kind of money, you might as well just go to the online school and save the money and then spend the money, you know, spend the money on your on your course to be able to take the you know to be able to pass the exam. Well, that, that, that's true. Again, a lot of it has to do, I think, with your age and, and, you know, are you engaged in a profession? I mean, if you're, you know, you're in your late 30s or 40s or 50s and you're a doctor or you're an engineer and you have a full-time job and a family, the brick-and-mortar schools don't really lend themselves other than the night. There are a couple, there are state schools in California that do have night classes. And a lot of students will, will take those classes, but it means they get off at work at 5, 5.30, and they have to be in class at 6.30 to 10.30 or 9.30. They get home at 10 or 11 o'clock at night, and then they have to go back to work the next day. So that's not an easy road to hoe, but if you're, you know, you're 23, 24 years old, you don't work, you come right out of a, a you know, college, uh, you know, money's not a problem, you know, then, then, you know, if I had a 25-year-old child and came out of a top, uh, you know, top uh, college, I would probably send him to an ABA school. 
And uh, you know, because again, you'll be out of you'll be out of law school at 27, you know, around that time, and you can go out and make some money. So I think it really the demographics are much different. If you were if they were to do a study, and they have, if they look at the typical, uh, you know, demographic of a, a full time ABA student, they're going to be much look different than a full time student at a state accredited school or a full time student online or correspondence. They're all going to be different. Their ages are different. Their backgrounds are different. Their vocations are different. So that's why what makes California unique is that there's, you know, five, six different ways you can become an attorney, where in many states uh, there's only – the only way you can do it is through one school. I think, for example, in – I think it's Minnesota or Wisconsin, they only have one ABA school in the state. So you have to go to that school. They don't have these uh, – the variety that California has. We're, we're very unique in that manner. Absolutely. The last question I have, since you've been in business for 35 years, I'm sure you, you obviously you've done a lot. If Off the top of your head, what is the biggest mistake you've made as a business owner? Uh, the biggest mistake I've made? Um, well, I, I've, tried to, <laughs> I've tried to eliminate most. I have to go back, I think, back when I first got in the business because right now I don't make a lot of mistakes anymore, but that's based on experience. Um, I would say probably uh, underestimating the amount of work. I think when I first got in the business, I was 28 years old, um, and I thought, you know, that I could make millions without, you know, putting back in. That is in terms of giving, doing all the freebies. And, and I, what I realized about three years in is that in order to build a brand, you have to go out and you have to give free services and you have to, you know, have free lunches and you have to do all the things in order to uh, get people to come to your seminars. And so even to this day, 35 years later, every fall, I usually do five or six free lectures uh, different law schools, and every uh, spring I do the same thing, because that's again part of the business. And anybody who's in business knows that if you're if, you, if you're going to acquire new customers, then you have to get out and you know and hit the bushes. Um, this is a little different than some business where you can do a lot of marketing online. And of course, we have online, and we have all you know we have a full uh, staff that you know does all the things we need to do on online with Google and all that. But because I have a lot of competitors in the business, uh, it's important that I get out and people see who I am. So I think it's the under maybe underestimating the amount of work that was required because, I, as I said before, I usually put in around at least 60 hours a week, and I've been doing this 35 years. Uh, but I, I learned probably about five years in that to be successful, uh, it doesn't come easy, and you really need to put in the time and effort. And, and that's probably, as a young buck, that's probably what I'd look back and it's probably underestimated. It only took me about three or four years to realize that, it's hard work that pays off. Okay, <laughs> sounds good. So this has all been this has all been great, Jeff. Thanks so much for calling in. How can people get in touch with you and 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 Fleming's Fundamentals of Law? All they have to law? do is they can go online and Google Fleming's Fundamentals of Law. That's F L E M I N G S Fundamentals of Law, or they can uh, go ahead and and email us at lawprepare dot com or actually info I'll put I N F O info at F F O L dot com I N F O at F F L dot com or visit our website at law prepare P R E P R E dot com. So and our number is nine four nine seven seven oh seven oh three oh and our eight hundred number in California is one eight hundred law exam. One eight hundred law exam. Well you heard it here folks if you need to get in touch with with uh, fundamental, uh, Fleming Fundamentals of Law, if you're a law student and you really need that extra push to get past all the exams you need to become a lawyer, info at flol.com. You can also get to the website at, at lawprepare.com.
Yes, ffol.com and lawprepared.com. Again, Jeff, thanks so much for calling in. This has been an education. Thank you, Neil. Have a great day. Enjoyed it. All right. Well, everybody, that marks the end of another episode of Neil Thompson Speaks. To learn more about me and Neil Thompson Speaks, please visit neilthompsonspeaks.com, N-E-I-L-T-H-O-M-P-S-O-N-S-P-E-A-K-S.com. You could also find me on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. There are links from my website to those social media platforms. And there's also a link to this podcast from my website as well. Until next time, please take care.